Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. We're starting the series today called It's a... No, it's not you, it's me. It's a classic line, isn't it? You know it from the movies, the shows of the whole, oh no, it's not you, it's me, that's why we need to break up. It's not you, it's me. Uh, and, And often it's so cliche that we would never use it because as soon as you say it, they know exactly what you mean now. It means that 100% is them and you want to get as far away from them as you possibly can. <laughs> That's why. So it's not you, it's me. It's the soft, the scapegoat here. But through this series, we want to kind of turn it and look at these relationships that we do have and use the same line, but with like genuine intention of going, all right, it isn't you, it is me. In all the types of relationships that I have, I can't really control what you do and what you say and what you think and your habits and behaviors and and patterns, all those types of things, but I can control and I can change myself. All of you who got married with the intention of, I will change them. How's it going? You might have changed a bit, but it does not take long to see the old come out, does it? All of a sudden you're like, oh, I thought we were past that. I thought I fixed them. Anyone? Unless you're like Beck and you just like got perfection straight off the bat. (laughs) But you can control your part of that relationship, no matter who it is, friends, work people, kids, your parents, your siblings, your cousins, the in-laws, whoever it might be, you, you, you can't really take ownership of their behavior and their thoughts, but you can take control and your ownership of your own actions and your own thoughts, your own behaviors and patterns. And so really, when it comes to our relationships, I want us to take hold of this and say, okay, it isn't you, it is me. And I know some of you are thinking, no, no, Doug, sometimes it is them. I guess, yes, I feel that that's what I... I I tend to blame my kids for my behavior all the time. (laughs) And Beck reminds me, you're the adult. And I go, yeah, but they're annoying. (laughs) Oh, I've got one here. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't control them. I can control me and my actions, my behaviors, and that's what my lovely wife reminds me every now and then. No matter who it is, I know your workmates are annoying. I know the cousins at Christmas is coming up and you're dreading it. But it's, trust me, Let's take this attitude, this full ownership kind of policy into our relationships. Uh, Because the thing is, when we struggle with our relationships, we struggle in life. All the great things, all all the things in our life tend to be founded on different relationships that we have. They're centered around it, no matter your success, your failure, no matter what area of life you can think of, when our relationships are unhealthy, it tends to be our life is unhealthy. But on the flip side, when our relationships are thriving and they're healthy, come on, our life is thriving. Our life is, is healthy. And so that's why we want to take this time to look at this because here as Highlanders, we need to be kingdom-minded people. That's why we take time to talk about this in a kingdom-minded way. Because we as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, we cannot and we should not settle with being the average of the world when we are called to be the average of heaven. And often we we kind of put a lot of effort into every other area of our life and we neglect the things that God says about the way we do relationships, what's important and how to do these things. Uh, And if we invest in the right ways, we'll see God's kind of results when we do things God's kind of ways. I like the verse, and it's always in my head in this topic, is God's ways are higher 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And sometimes we reach for worldly advice before we reach for kingdom advice. And when it comes to this area, I think that we need the advice, we need the guidance, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in all of our relationships if we want to see them thrive the way God intends them to thrive, rather than just starting and seeking purely whatever the world is going on. I already know how worldly Doug operates. It might not look like Jesus all the time. I know what you're thinking, shock horror, right? But not all the time does it perfectly represent what Christ is probably wanting me to be like. And so I want to strive for that, not just settle with, well, this is okay with everyone else. This is what they do. That's what I've seen in the past. Regardless of the the example your parents have set, can I say that your heavenly father sets a different example? And so we need to look into this to see what kind of kingdom principles can we grab hold of because his ways are higher. Today, I just want to look at a number of key relationships that we have and the impact that it will have, the significance of these key relationships that all of us should have and all of us do have in some capacity and why we need to care and be intentional with it. And as the the month rolls on, we'll look at different ways to sow into different types of relationships. So I just want to start with the kinds of relationships we have and the significance they, they all have to our life. So the first most important relationship that you have in your life is your relationship with God. I know, you're surprised, right? You've come to church, the pastor is telling you relationship with God's important. But it is, this should be the number one, it's the most important. Jesus was once asked in Matthew 22, they came up and asked him, tried to test him, and said, well, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And they had over 600 of them that they ranked in order, a bit over half of them had to do with how you deal with God and, and how you deal with other people with the rest. And they would rank them in order. So they were testing, going, have you figured out how the Pharisees rank it or the Sadducees or any other Isis, um rank them? Like, where do you kind of put the most important one? Because they had it figured out. And so Jesus responds with this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the what? And? What? Commandment. It is the first and it is the greatest. To love God with all that you have is the first and the greatest. And we could stop there. It is the, it is the most important thing. It says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it is not talking about having healthy self-esteem. I'll just put that in there. Often we say, oh, I, I can't love my neighbor like myself until I love myself. No, but most of you did put a bit of effort into today. Most of you drove a few thousand dollar vehicle all the way here, you fed yourself reasonably well, you bought makeup, you're going on a holiday later on. You invest a heck of a lot into yourself, which shows a reasonable level of love. Now, there's a lot in the Bible that talks about our self-esteem and our awareness and our care and our identity, and this verse isn't necessarily one of them. (laughs) Anyway, this is a little freebie for you. But it says here, love the Lord your God with everything. That's the first and the greatest. In essence, Jesus is saying here, if you want to get it right in life, you need this vertical relationship right, and then we work on this horizontal relationship next. If you want it right, it needs to be both. But the thing is, we cannot, we will not ever get it right in our relationships and through any area of our life if we neglect our vertical relationship and solely focus on our horizontal ones. As much as I love my family, I cannot build my life on my family. It is not the solid foundation that my life needs. It is only Jesus Christ that is the rock that we build our life on. Everything else, what is the the parable? Is sinking sand. It's only Jesus. I have a friend of mine uh, who pastors a church of 20 odd thousand 
people. He was explaining the challenges that he's finding in seeing more people making disciples and more groups multiplying, more churches. They planted a bunch, but they want to see more. He's just noticed things have slowed down a little bit. And the thing that he's identified within his church, uh, with his people, and it's nothing like ours, I'm sure, but in his church, he says, the issue that he is finding is that people are making their family God. They're putting it above everything. And he's not saying that it's not important. Families, he's not saying family's not important and throw it all out and just go, you know, leave them, go eat locusts and preach the gospel or whatever. No, he's saying, but it, they're, they're refusing to open their homes because family. They're refusing to multiply because they're found family. They're, they're not wanting to go to the ends of the earth because, well, I've got comfortable here. I've got friends circles and everything's locked down here. And all of a sudden we've just, we've shifted something that is really important and just slightly shifted it into the wrong, wrong gear here. See, if you are connected and you are in a growing relationship with Jesus, you find that he teaches and he empowers, he transforms you into Christ-likeness. And that impacts every relationship you'll have, won't it? If you are more like Jesus, don't you think anyone you run into, anyone you talk to will benefit from that transformation? Do you think if you are more like Christ, the, the, the interactions you have that are sometimes tense or toxic, do you think that there might be a change in how that happens? You know those people that they can just say good morning and somehow it triggers you. No, you wouldn't have those people in your life. Or maybe you're more mature than me, oh my goodness, but probably the case. Come on, like the more you are like Jesus, all of a sudden you've got that peace. You know, that joy, all the other fruits of the Spirit that we kind of tense around when we're talking, the patience and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and all those. All of a sudden, this starts to be our default and it, it rubs off. It impacts every relationship that we have. And now, I can't stress this one enough. I know, you know this seems simple and it's basic, but I, I, I want to nail this one home through to you that, that the number one thing that you can do for your marriage is strengthen your relationship with God. The number one thing that you can do for your children and their future is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and interested in where He's leading you. Come on, your friends, your church, your small group, your workmates, the greatest thing that you can do into those relationships and the biggest investment you can make into every relationship you have is to be someone who is interested in the things of God and pursuing His call for your life. If you have this one, these ones start to sort themselves out a lot easier. But can I tell you, if you neglect your vertical relationship with your father, you will never fulfill, you'll never fully experience relationship this way as it's designed. We cannot neglect one and expect the other to, to reach that peak that God has for us. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is in my marriage, come on, there's freedom. It's, it's easy, it's, there's lightness. The Spirit of the Lord is in the way I raise kids. Come on, there is freedom in that. When I'm talking to work colleagues or I'm talking to people or those, those ones that just you know, chase you down when, when you're hoping not to see them. Come on, the, the Spirit of the Lord is involved in that. There's, there's freedom. Another translation says, when the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. When he's Lord over our relationship, when he's Lord in these things, all of a sudden I'm not approaching it in a worldly manner. I'm approaching it going, oh, you are Lord, which is supreme in authority. It means that you're number one. So how would you like me to go into this relationship? How would you like me to go into this conversation? Or when something's brought up, it feels like something's with, like held back. I mean, Doug, don't say it. 
You know, where the Spirit is Lord, I won't say dumb things. So quite often, obviously, I need to work on that one. Come on, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I like what A.W. Tozer said, who's a well-known author and pastor of the past, and he said, um, said this, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. And when we put God in the right place in our lives, a lot of things sort out immediately. I can trace a lot of things back to how is your relationship with God going? It tends to be where I start any complaint conversation, particularly around praise and worship. I'm not feeling it. I'm like, how are you going with Jesus right now? Because we can take full ownership of our relationship with God. I know it's, it's easy to point at someone else and go, well, if they did this or if they changed that or if they did that, then I would feel it. I, I used to put a lot of power in my relationship with God in the hands of the pastors or the hands of my small group leader or the hands of the worship team until I realized it's not them, it's me. That I can praise God no matter what the scenario. I should be able to be joyful and encounter the Holy Spirit during any type of season in any kind of thing. And so instead of of passing and shifting blame and things, I went this, it's not you, it's me. I'm taking ownership of the things I can take ownership of. And the number one thing, number one relationship I have, the most important, the greatest and the first is my relationship with God. And I'm not giving anyone else ownership of my relationship with Him. Come on, church, we need to come back and say, hey, I could probably blame a lot of people, but ultimately, it's not you, it's me, with my relationship with God. And the second important relationship we have after, after God is your family. It's the family that we have. And just quickly, for those who are yet to be married, you need to know this point, is that the person you marry will have an immeasurable impact on your life. And now it sounds, yes, you agree, you, yes, I get that. But people who are married here will testify to this point, that it changes everything. It did not just impact your romance, being married. It's not just your romantic life, it impacts every part of your life. If, if I were to marry someone, if I had have married someone else, then Beck, my, my joy might be different. My finance might be different. My family definitely would be different. My faith could be different. And all of these things put together, ultimately it builds up to, it could shape my eternity differently. Where it's spent and the rewards or if granted at all. The people that we married have an immeasurable impact on our life. And you go, oh geez, Doug, that sounds dramatic. Well, it is pretty significant. It is important for those of us who are married or have been married. We know the impact that this has changed a lot of things about who we are. It has impacted a lot of different areas that, that, that we kind of float in and out of and we need to be willing to admit that, that it is a big deal. And so a lot of people, I see this with young people, they just go, they, they kind of hitch the wagon to anyone because of the spark or the romance without filtering it through maybe a couple of other important things as well. I'm not saying that romance and the spark, you know, like when your elbows touch in the cinemas and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I wonder, here it goes, I wonder... Anyone else done the whole like hand creeping over in the movies? It's like the kind of hands are touching now and the pinky crawls over and you're like, oh my goodness, here it goes, here it goes. Oh, and you're holding hands, you're like, oh, it's great. It's an easy way to not have to have a conversation, right? <laughs> Forget the movie, I don't know what it was, but oh my goodness. No? You've got your own stories, right? 
Not saying that those things aren't important, but often we just leave it there and go, I feel the spark when I'm with this person. And there are other things as well that we should be thinking about going, I feel the spark and I think that they're gonna help me become more like Jesus created me to be. I feel the spark and also I can see not just the potential, I see the patterns in their life that are gonna build their life in a way that I agree with. The values are the same. Come on, I feel that God is in this, where the Spirit of the Lord is or where He's Lord, there's freedom. I feel that the Spirit of the Lord is involved in this. And we need to look at it this seriously because it has that big of an impact on our life. And I think often we just, we partner, we pair with and we, we pack together with people who aren't necessarily going to take our life in the way that we believe it should or more importantly, where God might want us to go. But once the deal is done, the deal is done. For those of us who are married, I know that there's a huge spectrum of how that's going. You know, from plus one to negatives for the husbands here. Plus one's about as high as I've ever been, I think. <laughs> through to the negative. I'm there for a couple of minutes and then I preach and I'm back in the negatives. But, but, but the big spectrum, I know that I know things are great. Sometimes things aren't as good in other times. And I don't know where you are, but I do know regardless of that, that we can take ownership of our thoughts and our actions and what we sow into as well. And to different, different effectiveness, I understand. But I can only focus on what, well, really I've got control over. And so I like this verse in Proverbs 10, verse four, it says, lazy hands make for poverty and diligent hands bring wealth. Like, well, what does that have to do with relationships, Doug? Well, if you, if you want a bad one, here's some advice for you. Be lazy with it. Lazy hands, be lazy with your relationship and, well, you kind of get what you get and you don't get upset, right? It's just the end of the sentence at primary school. Lazy hands make for poverty, but we're not left with just how to have a bad one, it's how to have good things, how to have a good relationship, how to have good life and wealth and prosperity and all of these types of things is be diligent with it. Be purposeful, be intentional with the relationship, regardless of where you're at, what kind of input and intentionality are you having? Here's the thing is, I don't think that you will ever drift into a healthy relationship accidentally. Don't accidentally just drift in. You go, you just wake up one morning, and you're like, oh my goodness, like magic. It's so good that they're not angry at me anymore, that I'm not uptight, that everything's great, no one's yelling anymore. You know what, this was amazing. I'm so glad that I just ignored everything and floated into life. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. is I just think it's one of those phrases that, that relinquishes all ownership of the situation, particularly when we use it in terms of our relationships. Like, ah, it is what it is. It's like, no, you, you have input. Lazy hands bring for poverty. Let go and let God. Yeah, and God says, grab hold. Come on, we need to be intentional with our relationships and so into it, be diligent with it. What are, you, what are you doing at the moment in intentional investment into your relationship with your spouse church? Is it purposeful or has it become just the rut, the mundane, the copy paste every day, every week, every month and all of a sudden you're finding yourself in dangerous waters of being lazy with the relationship rather than diligent with it. For parents here, you'll know this one, Proverbs 20, verse six, it says, train up a child in the way he should go and, and even when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, training here is not teaching. That's not what this word means. This verb here, probably a, a, a more visual kind of representation of what it, the word means is to narrow or to hedge in, 
to narrow or to hedge in a child's behaviour, their thoughts, their minds. In other words, narrowing in a child's conduct away from evil and towards the things of God. This is essentially what discipline is, isn't it? There's eight or nine other verses in Proverbs that kind of deal with parenting advice and every single other verse has the word discipline. <laughs> has the word discipline. It has the idea of hedging and narrowing in. Now, now that you can go, well, that seems a little bit controlling, but it's controlling in the sense that I don't let my kids play on the highway. How controlling of a father am I? Oh, and they just go, oh, but dad, that's where all the fun is. I can't believe, if you were a loving father, wouldn't you allow me to do those things? I just want to, like my son turned nine yesterday, right? He's the one here. He's, he turned nine yesterday and I asked him this question in the morning. Do you feel more wise and more mature than when you were eight? And he goes, no, I was already very wise and very mature. <laughs> he had peaked at eight and he's like, dad, it can't get better. I said, is it downhill from here? He goes, no, I'll just hold here. Hold at 100% wisdom and maturity. I was like, there is a bit more hedging to go. <laughs> but there's, be, there's often these behaviors that come out and say, hey, that, that behavior is not what flies in the kingdom of God. That is not what, what's going to go on. I, I knew from a young age that there was no junior devil and there's no junior Holy Spirit. Often we try to baby our kids and go, oh no, it's all good. But I go, no, if, if there is something sinful, if there's something that's evil, if there's something that's leading them the wrong way, it doesn't matter the age, come on, we're bringing it back to the things of God. Come on, we talk with integrity. We talk with encouragement. We talk with faith. This is the way we go. Don't bring those words into this family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not as for me and geez, I hope my kids in the future. No, it's no, we will. So I'm going to hedge and narrow. So as a family, we go in this direction. Come on, it doesn't matter. Like you go, oh, but they've got to find their own truth. No, there is the truth, the way, the life. His name is Jesus Christ. And that is the example and the life our family will experience. Is the freedom in Jesus. And so we need to train up. I don't know if you've got a personal trainer or you've ever had one. Have you noticed that sometimes your trainer's not popular? Some of you go, you little mongrel of a trainer, I don't want to do burpees anymore. Except Geo, Geo is great, everyone loves Geo. But they're not always popular, but that's not their role, is to always be popular. And often we get caught in this trap in, as parents of trying to be popular rather than trying to be parents. And as a youth pastor, I had a number of conversations like with, with them wanting to relinquish parenting responsibilities. Can you talk to my kid about what they're wearing because I'm not comfortable with it? I go, have you talked to them? They go, no. Can you talk to them about what they're watching? I said, well, why don't you take the phone off them? Oh, but they won't like me. And I've always had this thought, and I know I've got young kids, you go, well, there's a lot to learn. Yes, it is, but the Bible kind of guides a lot of this. Is I've always kind of said, well, how about you be the parent and I be the pastor? And for my life, I look at that as well and don't expect anyone else to parent my kids because the responsibility has been placed in my hands. The most important discipleship relationship that I will ever have is the one with my children. And I'm not relinquishing the responsibility of stewarding one of God's children who is put straight in my care. It is too important. So we must be, as parents, trainers in the things of God. Sometimes unpopular trainers, but trainers for the ultimate goal. There's nothing more important to me in my kid's life than them having a strong relationship with Christ through their whole life. They could fail in so many other areas, but if they have that relationship with Jesus, I see that I've won as a parent.
Eternity is too real and it is too important for us to play games with what is success and what is not. Come on, we have one sure hope, one bit of glory ahead of us, church, that is greater than everything else. When it comes to our kids, that is, that is that's the touchdown line, that's the mark that we aim for, yeah? Anyway, that got serious. <clears throat> the third one, I'll perk it up a bit for a second, is your church. You've got your relationship with God, with your family. third one is the relationship with the church. And now I think this is one of the most important relationships that we will have and we can see why because God's word is so clear that his plan for every believer is the church, that he is coming back for the church, that he takes the lonely and places them into the family of God, is that everything centers around for him is the plan. His plan A, and there is zero plan Bs in God's eyes, is for this world, It's called the church. And now I don't think it's possible for us to be in good relationship or fully good relationship with Jesus and in bad relationship with his church. The Bible talks about it saying that the church is known as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5.25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives. There you go. There's a freebie for you uh, wives. But here, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You can see clearly his fondness here, can't you? Just as he loved the church and gave himself, it doesn't say that he gave himself up for anything else. No, he gave himself up for the body, the family of believers, that his church in unity, come on, he gave himself, he loved it. And so we can't be there going, well, as long as I've got Jesus, I don't really need that. I've grown up hearing this all the time. Oh, no, I've got a relationship with God, but I'll just be away from the church and you know I don't need to serve give pray for the church be a part of the mission just I'll just lean out I don't need to be involved we don't need to be there all the time you know as long as I've got God it's all good and don't get on me with works and rules and well I've got God it, to me it really sounds like a football player who won't care for his team sacrifice for his team or turn up for his team because he's friends with the coach is the whole point of the team is the team Unless you're a Cleary, you're probably not getting a run (laughs) because you're friends with the coach (laughs) or an Arthur, apparently. Oh, we need this. God, he's made it so clear that the relationship we have with God's church is absolutely vital to the mission that he has called you to. Now, I'm not convinced that there is any way of achieving the call of God on your life separate from his church. Psalms 92 says this, So planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted though. They will still bear fruit in old age. They'll stay fresh and green. And when it comes to your family, if you have kids at home and you have even a slight desire to see them have a strong relationship with Jesus in the future, you need to know this. is When being connected to the church and God's mission becomes optional to you, it will become irrelevant to them. And I see this my whole life, is that when church, and not just that, just taking the mission of God actually personally, when it becomes optional, it comes second to sport, and it comes second to morning teas and sleep-ins, and oh, well, I better mow the lawn, can't mow any other time, right? Uh, mow the lawn. Or even when it comes to like offenses, I've been offended, someone offended me, so we pull and withdraw away and it drops down our priority list. You see, all the time we get surprised when our kids walk away, not just from a church service, but they walk entirely away from Jesus. 
because we are training them in the way that they should go. We are orienting or reorienting in, in the way that they should go. And when we show them, orient them towards optionality, well, it do, it's not a big step towards irrelevancy. Yeah. Well, being planted is something that is significant, not just for us or our families, the mission and everyone else. Hebrews 10, verse 24, 25 says, let us, sorry, let, let who? Oh, here we go. We're taking ownership again, aren't we? I used to love starting this verse with, let them <laughs> consider how they may stir me up. Let the worship team consider how they might in- inspire and help me encounter. Let the pastor uh, consider how he may spur me up into good things. Let my small group leader be better prepared and help how he can stir me up. And I give a lot of responsibility away until I realize that God is asking us to take responsibility of us and ownership. Come on, let us consider how we may stir and spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And here it goes and says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as the end is coming. All the more as the world is slipping in different directions. All the more it becomes important to not neglect the body of Christ and the commitment we make. So your relationship with with the church is, I know it's different for everyone, but it is in your hands. It is in your control. And I know many have been offended and offenses will come. And we throw the whole body of Christ out when someone offends us. That is in your control of how you respond to offenses. Because often we distance ourselves from the thing that he says, hey, I'm coming back for this, so you need to sort it out. And go, no, no, I'm going to be a step over here. It's like, well, that's fine, but he's coming back for this. The body of Christ. Not segregated, not decapitated, not set. It's coming back for the body. So let's spur each other on to keep that strong. Your level of engagement and connection, whether you have time for it or not, is in your hands. And the better your relationship with the church is, I believe it will lead to a greater impact in the kingdom of God through this world. So be planted. And just quickly, the last one, the fourth most important relationship I think that God says is important for you to consider is your friends. Your friends. I was raised with the saying, and many of you will probably know it, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. An author, a bit of a philosopher from a few years ago, said that people are the average of their five closest friends. And I don't know how he made that up, but this sounds good, doesn't it? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Let's have a look at what the Bible says about the impact of the company that we keep, not just being friendly, but those who we are in friendship with. Uh, Proverbs 12, 26, there's a few up there. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled. In other words, stop kidding yourself. Bad company corrupts good character. And I love it. Stop kidding yourself that you go, oh, no, no, it won't impact me. I see this all the time when young couples start dating. One of them is like a solid Christian and they find someone who's on their journey or something. And you just go, no, no, it won't be different with me. It'll be fine. It won't impact me. It won't drag me out, you know, like flirt to convert or something. You know, like it won't, it won't, it'd be fine. But it's kind of like secondhand smoke is that you might not, really feel or think that anything is going on, but something's going on. And often it's people close to you that can start smelling it on you. 
of going, oh, what's going on? I remember a couple of years ago, my dad took me out for lunch and it was nice and lovely and everything was good. Uh, and then he just kind of leant over and said, hey, Doug, I just, I'm seeing something in your life that I haven't seen before and I'm not that fond of it. He's like, I think that you should uh, pull your head in in a couple of areas and work on this area. And I figured from that moment, he's paying for lunch, but no. <laughs> no, but I really appreciate it. It was hard to hear because it was true. But I was like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he could smell the secondhand smoke on me. But we do this with our friends as well. And as I just want to make this point is there is a difference between being friendly, like friendliness and friendship. We are to be friendly with everybody. But we do need to, this is what the Bible's talking about, be careful about who we pack together with, who we partner with, who we allow to influence and speak into our life and the roles that we allow people to have. Proverbs 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise. So everyone's friends with Max now because he's as wise as you get. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Come on, show me your friends and, and I'll show you your future. See, those who we spend life with, they'll have a huge impact with us and it may seem dramatic, but those who we a tight knit with may impact our eternity. Oh, geez, that's dramatic. Well, it's the reality of our life's church. To the kingdom-minded people, we need to love and care and reach out for everyone, no matter who they are, what they're about, what their past is, or their actions, their behaviors, their thoughts. We love, care, we reach, we spend time, we invest. But there is a difference between that friendliness and friendship of the packing together with. Because there's, all of a sudden when we open our lives for influence, well, we'd be influenced. So let's make sure we pack together, team with people who spur us on towards kingdom ways. His ways are higher in order to gain, well, you know, the greater impact in the world. So this is four of what I think are the most important. What we see in the Bible speaking to that these are really important relationships that we have. And in all of them, I'm sure you're like me. I look at all four and go, geez, I could do better. I could improve. I could probably be more intentional. and per- I could be more diligent and less lazy. I could take ownership rather than giving ownership away as much as I have. I could take ownership of well, my marriage a bit more, my family, and my mind with God, mind with the church. I know it's their fault, but it's no, honestly, it, I can still take ownership of my part and what I do now. I can take ownership with the friends that I keep and those that are around me and the influence that we share. And this is why I think we need to start with our relationship with God the most. It's because out of that, everything else flows. As Tozer said, if we can get, put God in the right place, it sorts a thousand things all out all at once. And so this morning, I want to just take some time for us to pray together. Pray over these four different relationships. Pray over ourselves that we would maybe highlight some things that we have let go of ownership and grab back hold and say, hang on, it's not you, it's not them. It is, well, from here on out, it's me. I can do some things about this. So would you pray with me this morning, church? Father, we thank you that you love us so much you sent your son to die for us, that we could be, what Romans says, as friends of God. Well, we might have been lazy with our friendship sometimes. Well, I, help, I pray that, well, you draw us back into that relationship with you. And as we draw close to you, we know that you draw closer to us. Also, help us with that relationship, that we would hear your voice, that you would give us revelation, that we would encounter you, Holy Spirit, and feel your presence in our life everywhere we go. When we look, that we'll find it. When we seek, we'll find. When we knock, that 
Well, you'll open up. And so we want to take ownership of our relationship with you again. Not relinquish it to parents or family or to pastors or anyone else. It's, it's on us. We can encounter you at any time. We thank you, Lord. Lord, for our families, Lord, those that, have, that are married, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're involved in that relationship, that we listen to your voice as you speak to us, you guide us, you give advice. Lord, your favor on it with our kids, Lord, that there's that favor that the fruit of the Spirit really shows through us, that we parent your children. They're yours first and foremost. We parent them the way that they need, that we can hedge in and narrow their behavior, their thoughts, their patterns, that we might see them turn into the people you created them to be. Lord, give us an image of the people that you've given us to steward. Lord, that we can lead them in that direction, not just lead them in any direction, but lead them to where you want them to go for the best of, for their life. Lord, with our church, Lord, we take ownership. Lord, that you've called us to be a part of something, a part, a piece of the body. Lord, we just, I pray that you reveal that calling, that mission to every person here this morning, that we can take it seriously, we take it personally. Lord, not to lean out and, or neglect, but Lord, to, to press in, to see the thing that you love and care most about thrive, flourish through all this world. Lord, and our friends as well, help us with that influence that, that we have in their life, but also that they have in ours. In Jesus' name. Now, as maybe you've never asked God into your life, they've never taken that first step, saying, God, I want to know you for myself. I've known about you, I've heard about you, but I want to know you. That's really where this begins. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning to say, God, I want to know you, to encounter you, to say yes to him is the greatest decision and it's the, I think it's the most necessary decision we all need to make. Of saying, Jesus, I want to know you and I want to understand you. I want to follow what you have for me. It's little step by step, but I want to start. I want to say yes to this, what you have for me in my future. And so if that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. And as just as an outward sign of the inward decision, would you just raise your hand quickly while no one else is looking around? Just say, God, I want to know you. Come into my life. God, I want to know you. Awesome. Is there anyone else this morning? Fantastic. That's good, church. Would you pray with these people with me from this morning, the first service, Lord? Father, I thank you. Lord, that you're revealing yourself to your people more. Lord, as they start this relationship with you, I pray that you reveal yourself even more, that we see a transformation in their life that they'd never experienced, that they'd never anticipate before, to see them more like you for the sake of their life and everyone around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.